hello and welcome to From the Rookie End. Uh, it's Monday night. Uh, and last week, Watford have uh, lost two away games. Boo. Uh, first in Wednesday, we lost 2-0 away at Manchester City. And then on Saturday, 1-0 away at Sunderland. My name is John. Uh, with me this evening is Mike. Hello. And, oh, Michael. Well, we'll get into that, the tone of that in a bit. Uh, and Jason. Hello. Uh, and we are three live from Watford fans, season ticket holders of Rooker End. Uh, from the Rooker End is our take on life as a Watford fan. But... We thought we'd do things differently. Um, you know, for seven years we've been doing these podcasts. For seven years we've been saying, "What should we talk about?" We sort of want to give you that control this week. And so, over our Facebook, uh, uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, Watford Podcast, and on Twitter, uh, which is at Watford Podcast, uh, we said, "What questions? What should we be discussing?" And we've done that a little bit, but the whole of our recent chat will be about this um, and you've uh, got in touch thank you very very much um, and then later in the podcast uh, we'll be discussing the now annual Ballon um where we find the best Watford player for the calendar year so let's start the questions thank you very very much again for everyone who sort of got in touch question one comes from uh, Joseph Findlay uh, Badder when everyone is fit who starts up front Jason you go first who starts up front number one I would say Isaac's success. I thought you were going to say Horalio Gomez then, number one Horalio <laughs> Gomez. <laughs> and obviously it all depends on formation, but I think of the formations we play, I prefer anything that plays two up front. So along with Isaac's success, I'm going to say Akaka. Ooh, Ooh, Jason. I like I the look of Akaka. Now, obviously we haven't seen much of him, but given he sort of came into the game at his first start and got a couple of goals... He looked, he looked good. He looked, he's a big lad. He can put himself about a bit, but uh, he's he's nimble with that as well. So I, I want to see more of a Kaka. Okay, so they both. I, I we both actually had a slight reaction there, uh, Mike. Because I'm, I'm I'm assuming you're going to pick someone different. I totally agree with Jace in terms of Isaac's success. I think once we get him fit, uh, I don't think there's any any doubt that he, he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet. We need to be careful of not falling into this trap that. The answer is always someone who's not playing, which is very easy to do. You know, football fans have done it throughout history. If things are going wrong, it's always someone who can't play that that would make everything all right. But uh, I think success has shown enough with his sort of series of not quite cameos. There have been more than cameos, haven't they? But I think whenever he's come onto the pitch, he's made stuff happen, hasn't he? And, it, and Watford have looked sort of more, certainly more exciting with him there. So I think Isaac's success has... Uh, has done enough to 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 warrant a, a place in a in a in a starting front two. Akaka's got a lot to prove, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I thought he did great against Everton. Like you say, it was an all action performance. We we spoke in glowing terms about about his uh, his showing after the, uh, directly after that game. But I do think he's very limited as a player. Um, whether you're going to get that sort of performance week in week out from him, I. I doubt it. To be to be honest, <laughs> I, I'm so, so 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 success and who then. So Troy Deeney for and me. Troy Deeney, okay. I see that they, they're the ones I went with as well, and I think for the exact same reason. Akaka, I know exactly what you're getting excited about, Jason, and what I want and think he can be, and what Troy isn't being at the moment. But he just isn't proven enough at this point. So I would I would have Deeney and success with Akaka coming on um, for either one, in fact, if if need be. But the fourth man on that list is still Igalo. He's definitely uh, dropping the pecking order, but I'm sure there's a question coming about him. Um, here's one for you. Uh, what This is from Naomi. Uh, what would be a great secret Santa present for uh, any certain player? I'm going to go for anybody, basically. No, actually, I'm going for Holobas. 
I think that he's a man who maybe needs to escape life every so often and take himself to somewhere somewhere different. So you get you've seen these Google goggles where you you you, you literally slide your, your smartphone in the front of him and then you open this app up and it's and you, it's like a 360 degrees you're somewhere else completely. You can be in in China, you can be on the moon, you can be anywhere. And I think maybe that'd be a good thing for to sort of take the edge off him after a game. What about you, Mike? Well, I think those, those goggles might be handy for Holobas during a game, John. Never mind after <laughs> I mean, to, to calm him down. Put a sort of nice, soothing uh, South American coastline or something there for to, and some hula girls or something just to just to chill him out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, if we see him wandering around with Google Glass on or something during the game, we'll uh, we'll know that you've been very generous. This, uh, I would go for um, Igalo. I'd get him uh, the Back to the Future box set so he can do a little bit of research into uh, into time travel and uh, somehow get him uh, take transport himself back a year and uh, find those uh, find those scoring boots and that big uh, happy smile that we were so used to seeing uh, last year. And I think you can probably get it quite cheap on Amazon at the moment, so uh, that's what I'm going to go for. Jace, who are you buying for? What are you buying? I'm going to cheat slightly. The question was player, but I'm going to buy Secret Santa present for Vulta. And I'm going to get in the game of Operation. <laughs> don't don't think I need to explain that one, do I? Yeah, yeah, we uh, yeah. Uh, from our mate Kieran, who does the uh, Women's Soccer Zone podcast, thoughts on whether Walter has actually made us any better? To me, defence looks shaky. Tactics going forward questionable. Is he better? And I suppose by better he means better than than and Kike and, and several other people did ask sort of a, a similar question. Jason, in your mind, we are only just coming up for the halfway point. Is Walter doing a better job than Kike? Mm, um, I don't know. Now, you know me. I'm quite a logical person. Uh, boring. I, you know, yeah, I'm boring. <laughs> and and there's a stat that's been bandied around this week uh, about the fact that at the same position last year, the same number of games played, we are seven games worst off. We scored the same number of goals, but we've conceded a lot more. Um, there is a counter-argument to that. And if you look at the same games that we played last season mm. against the same opposition, um, we're actually, I, I think I looked at it yesterday, we're about six points better off. Yeah, well, I got uh, I got one, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony Matthew sort of tweeted, um, from the What Observer tweeted about the after 17 game stat. Yes, it was his tweet. Um, and then uh, on our Facebook page, uh, Ian um, uh, Prayer uh, said the exact same one. On game for game, com- you know, um, opponent to opponent, home and away, etc., he reckons we're six, seven points better off. So you look at those stats, and the trouble with stats is you can make them read what yeah. you want. I think all that tells us is what we already know, and is that we we fell away a lot towards the end of last season. Um, we're we're twelfth in the table. We are probably about where we should be. I think um, we've played winning games and got the results. We've we've played. Well in games and, and not got what we deserved, and we've played badly in games and and equally got away with it. Like Hull at home, for example, it's it's I don't know. I'm sitting on the fence a bit, but it's quite hard mm. to judge at the moment. And I think it's what happens what happens in January with the transfer window, and what happens in the second half of the season when we struggled so much last year. And only then will I think I'd be happy to judge Walter compared to to Kike. Here's a new feature for you: Mike's Matsari mitigation. So. <laughs> What um, I, I mean, personally, I think the the more negative stat is probably the more is the more appropriate one. The fact that we've got less points than we did have this time and have conceded more goals because comparing teams with teams doesn't really work. Take Leicester as a case in point. You know, they're they're the half the team they were that last year. But what I would say 
that Volta's had to deal with, whether that's of his own doing or not, is 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 perhaps up for discussion as well. He's had to deal with suspensions and an awful lot of injuries that that Kike most certainly did not have to. Certainly at this stage of the season, um, be interesting to look back actually about how much that team did change in the first um, seventeen or eighteen games under Kike. But he certainly didn't have to deal with this level of injury um, or or suspension. So Volta has had to sort of. Um, mix and match a little bit he has, has had to shuffle the pack um so in that regard he's had he's had more of a challenge perhaps uh, clubs haven't taken Watford so lightly after after seeing us do reasonably well last year i think the thing that sort of struck me about him that that wasn't necessarily part of Kike's uh, makeup was the the ability or willingness to sort of shake up the the formation a little bit we've said all season it's been in fluid and i think he has changed it within games and he's changed it from game to game um, which isn't necessarily something Kike uh, did. Um, and he's made changes within games as well. And I've seen people be quite critical um, that perhaps it hasn't happened early enough in games. But but from my point of view, I think Matsari's shown himself willing to uh, to make a change uh, within a game, which, again, I don't think we saw necessarily so much from, from Kike, a bit more, bit more set in his ways. So... It's a different season. It's a different setup, and there's different challenges. Um, I think the the pertinent point is that we're twelfth. I think that that's great because we all went into this season knowing it was going to be tough. So to be to be sat there is is good. And I, what I'm not sure about whether it's worrying or pleasing is that we're sat there on the back of what really, largely speaking, haven't been great performances, and and they certainly haven't been great results of late. You know, Jason mentioned Hull. Uh, you could also throw Middlesbrough in there that we got a really valuable three points, but it wasn't a a good performance. So we're up there, we're doing okay, but I don't think we're anywhere near. I don't think anyone's really sort of genuinely satisfied with the with the level of performance, are they? So it, and and you know last year under Kike you you cut him a bit more a uh, bit more slack because we're we're just up. Um, and all that counts was getting to that 40, 40 point mark. It didn't really matter whether we did it with forty draws or or whatever. Um, whereas this year that we're a bit more sort of discerning. We're a bit more. Uh, we want a little bit more. So yeah, it's very difficult to judge. But um, I'd say he's had more 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 challenges certainly. And uh, up until the last three weeks or so, I'd have said yeah, you know, very 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 happy to to sort of endorse Matsari if you like. Um, I've just been a little bit disappointed with 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 Man City and Sunderland. Those 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 two results in succession have been quite tough to take. And then when you throw in the sort of slightly other naff results, you know the the blutering we got at, at Liverpool, the the Burnley no show. It's just been quite difficult, hasn't it? It's just felt a little bit. It's the first time I've felt a little bit down about it in the last uh, this last week, really, to be honest. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Um, let's move on to another man uh, who we have discussed a little bit. Um, Jason dropped in. Um, <clears throat> why doesn't Deeney, this is from uh, Angry Hornet. I don't know if he changed his name after Saturday's game, uh, but it's at uh, uh, Truckers Toys. Um, why doesn't Deeney lead by example anymore? He used to work uh, hard even when playing poorly. Now just moans all the time. I think he's always been a bit of a moaner. Do you think he's gone up in moaning? And I don't feel like he's he's he's, the only thing he's not leading by example is is by scoring the goals. He is still playing his role, um, which is to be the big man up front um, and to cause cause problems. Um, So I don't I don't agree at all really with with that. He's not the Deeney we we know, but 
I don't think he's 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 that. Uh, Mike? I think in terms of moaning, I think we're seeing him talk to the referees a lot. And I think that's because there's been a clamp down on which players have been, you know, there's, there's been a very clear uh, diktat from, the, from the, the, the authorities that only the captain's supposed to talk to the ref. So he, he perhaps could be seen moaning at the ref more because of that. But I think what the question alludes to is sort of a bit of showing a bit of discontent with, with fellow players. And I have to be honest. I I've seen him sort of talking to players, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't like. I'm with you, John. I don't really wouldn't really say I've seen him nagging, moaning, complaining at his at at, at his fellow players. I think it's more a sort of ongoing um, conversation, if you like, which probably is his part is part of his role as captain to sort of offer feedback, if that if that's what you want to call it. Perhaps that's a little bit. Um, a uh, bit of a stuffy way of describing it, but you know, on the pitch, his his duty is to to call it how he sees it, to keep everything ticking over. So yeah, I'm I'm struggling to see that. That I'm, I've seen a lot of people say it. There are moments when he is, uh, the ball's not been passed to him, and he's probably getting a little frustrated about not getting the hundredth goal. That's weighing on his mind, and the ball's not quite where he hundred percent thought it was going to be, and and chances are missed. And I suppose, yeah, you know, when you see match of the day, when you only really see the the, the attacking sections, or what feels like anyway, you do see the arms go down. You do see a complaint mm. about, oh, come on, boys, what are we doing? What are you doing? Um, and maybe it's a little bit more because of where he plays and where our failures are at the moment. You do see see that a little bit more often. But I don't think he's crazily, crazily different from normal. I was just going to say, I think it's symptomatic as well. Of, and I don't want to just be sat here sticking up for Troy Deeney, you know, uh, Blindly, I think people have rightly said, you know, when's when's the right time to drop him? And we can't just blow smoke up his backside because of what he's done in the past. We need to live in the now. But I do think it's symptomatic of the lack of service that the strikers have had, and all of them throughout throughout the season have, have suffered for from varying degrees. But Troy's been pretty constant in the side. It's only the Man City game that he's that he hasn't started. Um, so he'll, you know, week in week out, he's suffering from from that lack of supply. And uh, Nordin Amrabat's sort of come to the fore a little bit in the in the last couple of weeks. He's certainly looking a better player week on week. But his deli- his delivery hasn't been great. So whilst other people have caught the eye for various reasons, I think we've struggled all season to get to get any sort of consistent supply up front. So I'd like to see the sort of number of chances generated for, for Igalo, for, for Troy, for, for Isaac's success, uh, for Akaka. Because uh, I just don't think there have been many. So whilst, yeah, I'd agree that sort of th- that, that slumping shoulders is, is, is a horrible thing to see. No one wants to see it. Perhaps you can understand it if you've been, been playing all season and not, um, not getting any sort of service. I will say he has missed a couple of decent chances as well, um, which is frustrating when they come along so infrequently. You'd hope that he'd be switched on and, and ready to t- turn them in. There's been a couple of ones sort of when he's ghosting at the back post, sort of kind of unmarked. I think the most recent one was Leicester, wasn't it? And he completely, completely uh, Everton was it against Everton? He completely yeah. There's one it. against Everton at the back post. Yeah, and he yeah, just yeah. It, he just sort of misjudged it, and mm-hmm. so. It's been difficult. It's been difficult for all the strikers, and perhaps Troy feels it a bit more keenly. So, anyway, that's enough of me defending uh, defending Troy. Uh, well, let's rattle through a few quick ones. Uh, Jason, uh, are we just too slow? Says uh, Terry Rue. Going forward, are we slow? Are we are we patient? Maybe we need to be a bit more incisive when attacking. We are patient. I think that's the way we play. And I think is it generally symptomatic of football at this level? Is it because? players know that defenders are that good that they're they're waiting for an opportunity a space to appear that doesn't appear that often and maybe that's part of the problem I think we've talked 
on a recent podcast about the lack of movement up front. Um, and I'm wondering if that's the problem with us being too slow in getting the ball forward. Equally, we don't want to waste it, do we? We don't want to just hoof it up and hope for the best. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we can say we're too slow. I. Th- I think the problem there is probably uh, maybe a lack of movement up front, and f- we need to find the space. It's not just going to appear for us. We need to do the do the work to get that done, and to almost feeding back into me preferring a Akaka over Dini when we talked after the Everton podcast I, I talked about Akaka seeming to make a lot more movement than the other attacking players and his first goal seemed to come off that yep, great play and we said great great header won by Dini great play by Amrabat but also there was great movement in the box from Akaka to find the space get to the near post and create that chance How much Mark uh, Mark Carpenter how much would we get for Dini and Agalu now? there's an amazing thing people are saying Mike that people you know, oh they're not playing very well he's not scored a goal for a while he's not scored a goal for a while let's sell him because we might lose the value I don't think there's a value problem because we that money thing isn't as important as it was yeah there's been something that's frustrated me for a while now people talking about who oh, I can't believe we t-. what was it that China offered for Igalo for like 50 million or something and a, and a can of Tizer, yeah um, and it's like, well, that was never. It's all oh, we can't believe we turned that down. We look a bit silly. Now. We didn't turn it down. That deal was never on the table because Igalo didn't want to go. So that's it's just it's just a nonsense. That, that's really been frustrating me. And I think from a value point of view, it doesn't matter for those sort of players. That the value is having them at the at the football club. There's no need for us to to turn a profit at the moment. That's not what the that's not what the the plan is. So I wouldn't worry about it. But I understand where the question comes from. What's the value? I think that's it's an interesting one. If they were going to be sold tomorrow, I think Igalo still has residual value because of people have seen what he can do. He's once he's on song, and you don't just you don't score that amount of goals um, without being without being a decent footballer. So you know you're looking probably looking at. I don't know what did you what did you say 10 15 million quid for for both of them I suppose for each it also depends who you're selling to if you're selling within the premier league it's it's more if you're selling abroad it's less um it's just that it's the different markets you're selling you're selling to jason uh, this is from uh, tim rose is relegation a serious concern i'm stressed that word serious yeah of course it is i mean we <laughs> we could still quite easily get get sucked back into it especially now we've lost a couple of games on the trot we got our next game is against Crystal Palace, who are down there, and and they'll probably see that as a must win. If we lose that one, then we get sucked right back into we're in there with with the likes of uh, of Burnley um, and the guys that are a bit further back. And and yeah, they, they, we can't think we're already safe. We're in a we're in a decent position. You know, we we shouldn't be too overly. I don't know. We shouldn't be panicking, but equally we can't dismiss relegation as as. Not a possibility. It's it's definitely there. We need to keep winning games. This is another one I love. Uh, um, uh, so some uh, some Sam, uh, Sam uh, Samuk one two three. Should Walter go, Mike? Go where? Home <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> but there's is, no is the answer, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is there a point though in this season where you go? Kike got us to where we needed to be and got a cup run. Do you, do you ever envision a, a time of this season where you go, Walter needs to go? 
I think it's no. I think it's very, very unlikely now because if we are in a, going to be in a, releg- a, a genuine relegation scrap, it's going to be too late. I would have thought to to bring someone else in. It's a it's a it's a big gamble. And whilst yeah, the the pots uh, the Gino and and the regime could be accused of being relatively short termist when it comes to to head coaches, they're not in the business of cutting their nose off to spite their face. It's they're still prepared to um, to play a sort of. A, at least a season-long game to see how far Matsari brings us. Do we get the development? Do we get the progress that we want? If it's if the answer at the end of the season is yes, then he will probably get to stay. If the answer is no and we've stagnated and haven't made the the steps that they expect of the football club, then the likelihood is is he'll be he'll, he'll move on again. Um, should he go now? Definitely not. I mean, no. It's, it's uh, it, uh, that's. Uh, uh, with all due respect, that's an, an obscene proposition. Um, one question that has come up a couple of times is about specific play positions and the transfer window coming up. We're gonna, I'm going to leave all those questions until um, maybe the, the first podcast of um, the, around the Tottenham game um, where we sort of get a clear idea and, and all that sort of stuff is, is buzzing around. Um, uh, Matt over at Be Happy uh, has started his now regular uh, I can't quite call it annual. I'm trying what the word is. It's not biannual either. Um, a list of all the players that Watford have been rumoured with and any of the Watford players that have been rumoured to go away. It is a growing list. Um, it is ridiculous how big it is compared to a few years ago. Uh, but any questions about sort of what's going to happen next? I think we'll get onto that in, 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 a, in a podcast not, not too far away. We don't appear, this is from uh, Jamie Parkins, uh, we don't appear to have last season's fortunes in, in, uh, of an injury-free squad. And, and, and that, came, that sort of point came up with also mentioning of a, the change of personnel in our medical team um, m- more recently. Again, could it be a thing? Or uh, my gut says maybe. But also, is it the system? John, John Parslow, Jason said, question he asked, he said at, at the Southampton game, so a long time ago, uh, are we as fit as before or is the system making us run our legs off is it could could it be the system well to me yeah injuries if you're getting a lot of bad injuries then maybe not the the system but the but the training so if you're going to play a system that means you're going to be running more running harder than the normal then your your training should be more fitness based perhaps I don't think it would be down to changing the, the head of medical unless they are the same injuries coming back again and again and again. I don't don't think they are. Um, maybe we've had a couple of players that have got injured a couple of times, but with different injuries. So I don't think you can you can blame the new medical centre or the new yeah or changing the head of medical for the for the injuries per se. Um, but for me, I would I would suggest that maybe there's something wrong with the training or we're not doing our fitness training or even perhaps are they being pushed too hard in training I don't know obviously we don't we don't get to see that side of things um, but they were the things that I'd be looking at if uh, if I was concerned about the number of injuries and Mike you, you, you see the, the forefront of this uh, Matthew uh, Chamberlain why do most of our fans on social media always think the worst why are we a half glass empty club in the eyes of our fans and it and is that actually a thing that just happens because we asked this these questions not that long after uh, a defeat especially to Sunderland 
I think that what we've always tried to do with, the, with podcast, Mike, is uh, is look at a wider point of view and not maybe react as much. Yeah, but what but what what I will say is I'm still uh, I want Watford Football Club to win every single match, and that could be an under twenty three game, it could be a League Cup round one tie, um, and it will certainly be the FA Cup game against Burton. I want Watford to win with all my heart and soul, with more than is really appropriate for a, for a thirty nine year old man. I'm too emotionally invested that is is natural. As we all are, so when we lose, it's annoying. And the the you've got two options at that stage. You can either say, "Well, there's next week. We'll probably win next week instead, and everything will be fine," or you can be miserable about it. Which, to be perfectly honest, is one of the um, you know you've earned that as a football supporter. You're allowed to wallow in a bit of a uh, bit of grief and annoyance and uh, and frustration after a defeat. It's one of the uh, yeah, it's one of the things about being a football supporter. You should uh, you don't enjoy it, but it's it's your right as a football fan to be grumpy and to be annoyed. Um, and I think that's a, a gut reaction to something you desperately want to happen not happening. And I also think on a on an emotional level that people use it as a bit of a. Um, a bit of a self-preservation thing. It's like, oh yeah, this is terrible. We're not very good. We're not going to do that. Well, if we carry on doing like this, and it's going to be relegation and and this, that, and the other. And it's sometimes it's easier to see the the downside than it is the upside. And I I understand that. I get it. You know, after you know after Man City, I was very sort of uh, um, conflicted as to well, all right, we almost nicked a draw, but why didn't we nick a draw? You know, so is it is it good or bad that that we that we turned in a, a performance that that could have been an unexpected point well that's the thing we were expecting that game against Manchester City to be we called it on the podcast we called it a free hit um, mm. it got, got halfway through that game we're actually well this isn't a free hit this could be uh, a really good hit um, yeah. as the game got on it was like no we were you know we were creating chances same with the Liverpool game yes we lost that 6-1 but we mm. weren't on the back foot and that would be my one thing maybe we can definitely compare uh, Walter to Kike Kike put Troy Deeney in defence and Gerardo up front was the only man up front against Man City last year I know it was only very early in the season but he went for the defensiveness and, and, uh, and that was it you know Walter had a game where we could have been in it you know we were a couple of chances away from it being a draw and Sunderland we were a couple of you know missed chances away from it being a comfortable win it's it's fine lines. That increases the frustration, though, doesn't it? I think those games are the worst. One, you know, on one hand, we almost nicked an unexpected draw, and against Sunderland, you could argue that we had enough chances in the first first half to put put it away. Um, and that's that's worse than getting smashed six one or beating someone three nil. That is those when you feel like you've been close and and had it snatched away. That that's when the frustrations really come to the fore. Um, but to answer the original question, I, I totally get it. If you just live on Twitter, then you'd be you'd go you'd go mad because of the, there's a lot of negativity that floats around around there. But I don't think it would be any different to any club. If you look on any, do a little surf on anyone else's hashtag, you'll see just a, just the same percentage of people moaning and groaning, just the same percentage of people who are relentlessly optimistic. Um, so I don't think we're alone. Um, but I do think it, it, it's helpful to, yeah, have a moan and groan sometimes, but also, yeah, all, try and see the bigger picture and ask if there's a solution and... Yeah, just try and be a bit more um, productive, I guess, about it. But uh, I don't think we're any different to any other set of fans. From the rookery end. Thank you very much for everyone who sent questions in. Always send them in. Always get involved with that. There were loads, weren't media. they, John? There were loads. There were loads. We're not going to get through them all. And they say, so there's lots of we'll, we'll sort of hold back and we'll, we'll, we'll use, you know, there are things we want to talk about as well, you know, and we'll do that nearer the time, maybe with, with, with uh, the transfer window. Let's look ahead. Let's look at Palace and Spurs. Let's get us to the end of this year. I would be happy out of those 
really happy if we got four points out of those two games. And I would be relatively happy with two. Mike. Hmm. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, what frustrated me about the, uh, some of the talk ahead of the Sunderland game was all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, we must win this. And there was some suggestion that Troy Deeney was rested at Man City because he didn't want to get a yellow card. And sort of bigging up one game over another never really sits uh, sits sits well with me. So uh, I didn't like that. And that's uh, and the upshot of that is it's kind of made this the, the Crystal Palace game really really more important than it than it perhaps ought to have been um what would i be happy with i desperately want to beat tottenham hotspur <laughs> um i just and i think we're we're not alone in that i think we all know enough uh, spurs fans to really want to give them a, a, a gubbin um but yeah we kind of owe palace one as well um, for, um just from a sheer momentum point of view i think we we've really really got to be hoping for for three points against palace they're struggling Pardew's under pressure um we know they've got good players zaha is consistently a, an absolute nightmare for us and with uh, with britos and Holobas not shy of a, a, a challenge in the box i'm sure we can uh, look forward to at least one palace penalty as per per usual ah, it's just a really t- it's a tricky duo of games isn't it i think your initial thing four points would be would be great i think i'd i'd take that um two points good in as much as we obviously wouldn't have lost um but i think we really want to be getting numbers on the board so yeah a, a home win against palace and a, a, a and then the draw against a, a draw against tottenham at home yeah that'll that'll do for me all the, um, all the other way around all the other way around draw against palace and a win against spurs i'm not against that either yeah I yeah, think, just I think, four points in. Yeah, but I think yeah the 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 win against Palace. Let's say we got we beat Palace, that would be we're fine. We we are better than we we should be. We are where we should be, um, but that's not going to necessarily uh, get our fires burning for the second part of the season. A win against Spurs could get those fires burning. Um, going into the second half, which of course is the the the, the thing that we've talked about already, um, where Walter will show his difference between uh, Kike and himself. Um, Jason, this is probably the best chance though against Palace or Troy Deeney getting his hundredth goal. They're not they're not they're letting some goals recently, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're a funny old side, and they sort of have been showing up, particularly defending set pieces. I know we I sort of mentioned them in in dispatches last week. Um, when we mentioned the fact that they did the opposite to us and they went from zonal to man marking and set pieces. Um, and again, I saw a lot of the game against Chelsea on uh, on Saturday and they seemed to be a bit tighter at the back. Um, but yeah, it, it is a good opportunity for Troy, if he's selected, which I'm sure he will be, um, to, to bag that 100th goal. Of course, by the laws of football... Adrian Mariapa is going to come on and score the winner in the 90th minute by the um, ex-player rule. Yes. yes, we'll take that. We'll take that. Happy <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I actually like this idea from uh, from Seamus Kelly. Um, should we play anti-Joshua uh, up top with Troy on Boxing Day uh, to knock out Palace? Surely he becomes more powerful on that day. Well, maybe. Maybe Troy can pull some strings. Um, they, those games are coming up. Uh, like I we'll, do, we'll, we'll be covering those um, over the, the next couple of weeks in the Christmas break. Um, but thank you again for everyone for getting involved um, with, uh, with your views and, and keep them coming. Twitter, at Waffle Podcast, or facebook.com forward slash Waffle Podcast. And if you like the pictures, then uh, Instagram again. Again, we are Watford Podcast. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns.
Uh, thank you so much, um, everyone. And, and the ac- reaction to our, our interview with uh, the Shippies and uh, Dave Messenger about the sensory room, uh, which was on our last podcast, um, was was phenomenal. And um, I, a lot of people on, on our, our Facebook, Mike, they really seemed to... Um, yeah, the, the, the true benefit this room will have certainly started to shine through on uh, the thread that we had. Yeah, I was I was absolutely delighted. I was very clear that I wanted to make sure that we, we visited it if we could because it felt like something good that Watford were doing and that was that was borne out by the response certainly on, on Facebook. It had an absolutely extraordinary um extraordinary response. It got it got shared far and wide by um and it ended up being shared by supporters of other clubs as well. And that was one of the most noticeable things about it, that obviously people are keen for it to happen elsewhere in the country. So from Watford point of view, hugely proud of that. From the Shippy campaign point of view, great, because hopefully that's given it um, given it a little bit of momentum. But also the, the, what was I found massively uh, pleasing was on that thread were people saying, how can I use this room? This will be great. It's been, um, you know, my dad's dream to take his son or to take my, his nephew to, to the game and now it looks like he can do it. And that that's what it's all about. And that's kind of what football's about is that sort of being able to deliver those sort of thing, you know, those moments where people come together to make good things happen. Uh, and whether it's a, a winger crossing the ball for, for for him to nod home a great goal or, or a behind-the-scenes effort making sure that a, a family can go to watch football. It's... Um it's just it was just a great thing, and I, I'm just glad that that people responded. and And there's obviously a, a need for it. There's obviously going to be some great take up. I hope um, Dave Messenger's inbox is is full of requests because it, it certainly looked like that was going to be the the case. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was a, th- a thrill to see it, a thrill to meet the shippies, um, but but almost a bit overwhelming just to see how many people will get some use out of it. So yeah, really, really good, really, really, really good. Um, the the podcast went to listen to that is the one that's titled Up Yours Andy Gray um, which uh, we got a tweet a uh, message from uh, Tim Bedwell uh, he's a great title uh, to this week's uh, At Watford podcast I spoke to him in a Brum bar in the uh, early mid 90s about the incident he brought me a beer therefore admitting his guilt he appeared to remember it clearly <laughs> so thank you very much Tim um, and, uh, but still the uh, the gesture I think from everybody at Watford stands even though you got a beer. Uh, thing to keep a, a, an eye out for uh, Hornet Heaven. Um, uh, two episodes uh, from the original story that when Tales of Vicarage came out. But uh, this Friday morning, uh, Christmas Eve Eve, uh, is a very very special Christmas uh, edition of, of of Hornet Heaven, which might make you cry if you are a sensitive type. Um, so make sure you uh, subscribe uh, to Hornet Heaven uh, via iTunes, uh, if, especially if you've got a long drive ahead of you uh, this uh, in the run-up to Christmas. Uh, so time, boys, now uh, toward the uh, Ballon d'Or. Uh, the Ballon d'Or uh, was awarded this week to um, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, for the best player in the world uh, in the calendar year. Uh, we've been doing this for, for this is our fourth time we've done this. Uh, we've given out for the best player, what best Watford player in a calendar year. Uh, in 2013, we gave it to Akitiania. In 2014, Daniel Tozier. Uh, and 2015, uh, there was only one man, because that's when he used to score goals. Uh, it is uh, Odin Igalo. This is going to be the hardest one to pick. Because in terms of looking at the calendar year, we know what the first, last half of uh, of last year was, which wasn't 
pretty. Uh, and in the first half, it's it seen a resurgence of, of players that never played in that half. Um, plus some new boys come along who you, you couldn't give them the best player of the year. And, and, and it, it's tough. So, well, let's see if we can get an, an answer. Jason, it's the calendar year 2016. Who are you picking to be the Watford winner of the Ballon d'Or? I'm going for Miguel Britos. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we know he had a, a tough start to his Watford career. He couldn't join in at the very beginning because he was suspended. Um, he then made his debut at Preston in the <laughs> League Cup, got sent off and was then suspended again. And we have seen uh, red cards since as well. Um, obviously, there was the one the, uh, the other week against Stoke. But having said that, I just, I just think... I've been keen to sing his praises anyway. I, I, I like Britos. I think he's a he's a good, decent defender. And whilst we have seen the odd slip up from him, um, I still think over the course of the year, when no one has been particularly consistent across the board, I think uh, Miguel has been. It's a tough test for, for a defender playing in a side like Watford. You're going to come up against top quality strikers week in week out and he hasn't looked out of place at all I don't think Everton the Everton game probably summed up his year for me in sort of 90 minutes there was a little blip that first oh that first goal was his fault he just caught a little bit of concentration a little bit of lack of concentration found himself out of position with his defenders it gave Lukaku a bit of space to run into. The ball got over, over the top of him, and, and Lukaku was in. However, for the rest of the game, he was—I thought he did—he did very, very well. I think he's got a great left foot. Again, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I question myself, and I see people sort of commenting about his distribution. But I, I think he's got—he's got a better left foot than people give him credit for, and he is able to to play a ball. I think better than, than maybe the rest of our, our centre backs. I don't know if I've sold it very well. It's just that I love him. He's got a great beard. How's that? <laughs> yeah, there, there isn't anyone for a hard sell. Mike, who are, who yeah. are you going to, 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 to put up for the Ballon Orn this year? Judging by Jason's reasoning for Miguel Britos, he should actually be voting for mine. He said no one's been consistent and he's also said that being a defensive player for, for Watford is uh, is very difficult. So... It's obvious, really, that the choice uh, for me is someone who has been consistent throughout uh, the calendar year, who has done well in difficult circumstances, and that's our little uh, friend of Brazilian, Aurelio Gomez, in goal. He's been absolutely consistent. No position on the pitch is more open for, for obvious errors than, than, than in goal, and he's made very, very few, I think. Jason alluded to the fact that we've come under a lot of pressure, that's the, that's the way Watford are at the moment, and... I, He's, I can't really think of a time where, where, where he's let us down. Bearing in mind that he had perhaps a little tricky time of it at, at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, he then did well in the Championship. But then to play in the Premier League for a newly promoted side, who, as we said, at the tail end of, of last season, so the start of 2016, struggled. And then under a new coach with new players around him and a changing back line this season. Uh, it's, it's changed quite frequently because of injuries and suspensions. For someone who's got a bad reputation, he's I think he's been calm, cool and collected for... For almost the entirety of, of 2016, I've been I've been impressed with him, and I think we we take him for granted, which is good for a goalie. You don't want to be you don't want to be having an Arlowskis at, at Villa moment every time you, the the ball ball heads towards your goalkeeper. So I think the fact that we take him for granted in this instance is good, 
but it certainly shouldn't be overlooked by the Ballon d'Or um, committee. Um, in fact, I think we should just give him the award now, give him the trophy now. And then, of course, what he'll do then is drop it. But uh... <laughs> So, yeah, it's Heraleo for me. Heraleo for me. Because everyone else on the list, for me, has either had a good first half or a good second half, but, but neither. Um, you know, Barami uh, has been fantastic and, you know, cemented himself uh, for almost every game he's played at the beginning of this year, but, but didn't play at the beginning of the year. He's only played since Walters turned up. Um, definitely fell out of favour with Kike. Amabat, you know, he turned up at you know, the beginning of, of this year, was there, was was good, but nothing stand out, and has done fantastic and really developed as a player since. So everyone else, you know, again, first half of the season, Watson was a key player with some, some key assists, and Cathcart was, was keeping out Prudel. Yeah, and, and Prudel, mm. you would say, is the man, him and Amrabat are, are head-to-head at the moment for who will be the, the player of this this uh, football season. But for the calendar year, I think the only person I'm going to... I just want to give it to, to Amrabat, maybe just because of how, how much he's improved and, and, and love seeing that, 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 the, the, the story of a player when they turn up. You know, the thought was he was going to disappear, but actually... He's done so much and improved so much and, and cemented his his choice in the first level that, that I'm, I'm going to choose it. But how do we choose? Well, it's, it's Gomez, isn't it, surely? Britos wins, hands down. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> it's a good job we're not on jury duty. <laughs> well, let's, 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 put it up. Let's, let's put it out to our jury of, our, our, of, of people who, who follow us on, on social media. Um, we, we'll put out a vote uh, this week for which of those three... Do you give the Ballon Orn the best cat player for the calendar year 2016, the best Watford player? Um, and we'll see how that vote comes out next time uh, we convene for a podcast. Thank you very much uh, for, for listening to this week's From the Rookery End. Um, it, it has come after two defeats, um, but hopefully with uh, we, we've, we've tried to figure some bits and bobs out um, due to your questions. Uh, we're going to be back uh, after a short Christmas break. Uh, we're going to podcast um, around the Tottenham Hotspur game on New Year's Day. Um, so we're going to podcast again until 2017. Uh, so thank you everyone who has listened to the podcasts um, this year. We started at the beginning of this year to do weekly podcasts and we've kept it going and, and you've kept on listening, uh, which, is, which is a lovely, lovely thing. So thank you so much for, for giving up your time um, to download the podcast and then to sit and listen to us rabble on about Watford, um, but also to everybody who has who's contributed uh, to the podcast, by either coming on uh, as, a, as a guest or con- uh, coming on as a, as a, as a co-host, or whatever it is. So thank you so much for, for everyone who, who gives up time as a listener or a contributor to From the Rookery End. Mike, highlight of 2016 for you? Cool, crikey, put me on the spot. Um, I think staying in the division last year was was a was a definite highlight. Um, real like that moment, we realised that 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 the sort of plan was going to work and we were going to we were going to stay in the top flight. But um, yeah, without giving it too much thought, I think the um, the win in the quarter final at Arsenal was uh, was pretty memorable, wasn't it? That was a that was a cracker. No, I was going to say if you had to pick a game, that was a game. I think I, I, I'd I'd pick that 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 game at uh, at the Emirates, the first one. Jason, any particular moment for you in two thousand and sixteen? Man United at home because it's the one I predicted and it came true. <laughs> Mystic Jason. Um, so thank you again for listening. Thank you for all your, your, your time. Uh, and 2017, I have a feeling it'll be better. It'll be greater. 
Mike, do you sort of agree? Um, yeah. This, this, the Watford story is a great one, isn't it? It's, it's just great to be a part of it. Um, it just feels like the next step's always going to be, if not uh, exciting and interesting, if nothing else. So, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to see what the what the new year holds, what's going to happen in the January transfer market, uh, who's coming in, who's coming out, who we're going to beat. It's just, uh, it's just good fun. Great time to be a Watford fan, as always. Come on, you horns. Vote Horalio. Horalio.